I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday. Will the Blazers make a move? Plus, Brenna is in Las Vegas living her best life, covering her first Super Bowl, and no doubt plotting a path toward Taylor Swift's suite. At least I hope she is. Anyway, <laughs> this is Aaron Fetches of the Oregonian Oregon Live, joined by Coin Six's Brenna Green, who was in Las Vegas. How much money have you lost, Brenna? Oh, I have not gambled at all. At all? No. Not once. Um, you want to know how I lost money? Taking my sure. booty to the fashion show mall, my favorite mall in the planet on Sunday, and letting myself go. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you buy? Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know. A bunch of tops, a bunch of dresses. I don't know. Whatever. You'll be, you'll be styling from here on I'm out. Ma- I'm, making, I'm making some sweet, sweet OT this week, baby. <laughs> so... I was like, I don't care. You can do what you want. You're going to cover it yourself. So there you have it. (laughs) I made me cough. Well, that's awesome. You're having so much fun. We're going to get to more of that as we move along. But first, let's deal with the Blazers. You know, trade deadline is Thursday. It is super quiet. Yesterday at practice, I mentioned to Chauncey how his first two trade deadlines were just jam-packed with speculation and then, of course, moves. You got CJ, Norman Powell, uh, Covington, Nance, and Snell were all moved. That's what I remember off the top of my head. It might have been someone else. And then last year, you had the deals that sent Josh Hart to New York, which brought back Matisse and Cam Reddish. Um, they also got Kevin Knox, and then they traded Gary Payton the second back to Golden State. But this year, you know, I, I believed the whole season that Malcolm Brogdon would absolutely be traded, but there's so little chatter about it. Even um, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports that, he, you know, there's a great chance that he won't be traded. Uh, so I first, I guess my first question for you is, do you think there's going to be a significant deal by tomorrow? I would be foolish to say yes to that. Um, <laughs> no, no. So you're feeling like it's going to be a dud. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a pretty... um... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I, I just, 
you know, the, the person, like you said, that was the most like obvious, he ain't going to be here candidate was Malcolm <laughs> Brogdon. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he said yesterday at practice, he was like, I'm just focused on making this team the best team it can be. And, you know, getting things going. I will say this, man, what a guy, how many other NBA players do you know who, who are as talented as him that would come into a situation like this and embrace their role and not be like, get me out of here. All right, on that, and I asked him about that yesterday, and he's been asked about it 99 times, but, you know, formality, I asked again, and that's when he said, you know, he's focused on whatever, whenever anyone says I'm focused on something, that means they're trying to duck the question. I don't believe for a second that he, okay, I don't believe for a second that if he has a choice, he'd want to stay in Portland and play mentor as a backup, or even mentor as a starter, or be on a team that has a chance to contend. I don't I don't think anyone should buy that. That doesn't mean he's going to be disgruntled, right, and be trouble if he does stay in Portland because there's a difference. You can want to go somewhere else but not make waves where you are. He's done everything perfectly. He's handled the, insi- the entire situation very well. There's no way Scooch had ever been starting over him if you're just if you're doing it straight up on merit and ability. Um, but he played the backup role. He, he's done what he's been asked to do. He's getting paid very well to do so. But I almost hope for his sake that, like, he gets out sooner rather than later because he still has so much high-end basketball left in him at 31. It would be a shame for him to waste his time with a losing franchise. So I hope he gets dealt to a good situation. The question is, what would it take to make it worth it for the Blazers? Like, if you're the Blazers, Brenna, what would it take for you to trade Brogdon by tomorrow? A significant amount of future draft picks. <laughs> significant? What do you think he's worth? Um, uh, maybe like a first and two second rounders, something like that. That's I think fair. that's I think that's pretty fair, right there. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. You're getting a starting caliber point guard in this league, which you know those aren't a dime a dozen. So. Um, so yeah, I think that that I think that would be that would that would that would suffice. That would suffice. So, I I agree. You get, definitely get a first out of it. The problem with this draft is that it's allegedly so bad that oh a, no, you don't want it in this draft. Well, that's the thing. Like a first round pick in the because tw- obviously it would be a good team that would make the trade. So it's a team that's going to finish in the twenties. So your picks in the twenties. Yeah. Based on the way people were talking about this draft. A pick, the 25th pick in the draft would be like having a high second round pick, right? And so is that worth it necessarily? No. So then to me, then you you have to get back. Either you get a future pick beyond this year That's or That's you have to get back a player that makes sense. Either a player you can trade, you can flip again, like you can do the whole, you know, <laughs> trade a player, get a player and a pick trade that player, get a player in a pick. Like you, can, you can do that if you get the right deals. Um, so well, we saw that happen earlier here with yeah. Malcolm. <laughs> right. Preferably what the Blazers want um, is the ideal situation would be to turn Brogdon into a younger player who can fit in with this group at the forward position because that's their huge hole. Correct. 
and that's someone that you could actually see sticking around and that you want to be part of the build, the rebuild. Because if Malcolm Brogdon were six seven and could play small forward, then the only question there is he's 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 thirty one, right? So he's older. He's off the timeline of Sharp and and Scoot and even Ant. So basically, he's like a little older version of Jeremy Grant. But if he's that good and younger, he fits better, and that's perfect because getting a draft pick in this draft worthless. You already have two. Getting one in the future, you got to wait for it. And that's fine. That'd be better than taking one in this draft. But ideally, they need players. They don't want to get younger. At least people I've talked to, it's like they have eight. I counted eight players on the roster under 20, 23 and under. <laughs> eight. <laughs> that's like five too many. And like most of them play. <laughs> so you're super young. Here's what I would like to see them be able to do is that Warriors pick has a great chance of being a lottery pick. Take so instead of you getting back a first and a young player or getting back a young player just for Brogdon, package Brogdon in that Warriors pick, and then maybe that gets you something back even better. So you're giving up a pick, which is in a weak draft, and then maybe you're getting more of what you need in terms of what we just talked about, you know, having a, f- a younger forward who can fit into mm-hmm. your lineup and to your future. That would be my ideal situation for them. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, you know. You are definitely right about that four position. It is. It's tough sledding there, baby. Um, <laughs> who's starting there tonight? I don't know. Um, I mean, they, I know it's smart putting Jabari there, but, you know, he's 20. And is he, is he a true future starter at the four for a team that wants to, you know, be a contender someday? I don't, I don't know. He, I mean, he might become one in a few years. Who knows? He's not one now. And Grant, Grant can't be at the four because he doesn't rebound. So he's better at the three, and you might move through him anyway. So basically, you really have two starting positions there for the future that they got to fill somehow. And, and I look at someone like, have you been watching Brandon Miller lately, who went number two to Charlotte? I, I, I have not, but I know that he's been that, doing much better. That guy is sick. But the Blazers had no chance to get him unless they traded up. But I remember at the time thinking, it's too bad this wasn't flipped because that's the guy you need. Because then you have an impact forward, which this team does not have beyond Grant, who I said, like I said, doesn't rebound. He's 29. Who knows what's going to happen to hit with him? But the ended up with Scoot, and that's where you are. So now three of your best players are guards. One's hurt, by the way. Shaden Sharp might be out for the season with, after he undergoes surgery. But anyway, that would be the ideal situation. Do you see anything happening with Grant or Thibel? No. Yeah. No. If it's quiet on Brogdon, <laughs> it's definitely not happening with Grant. I do not see them moving Grant. And Thibel, I like it. 15% chance at this point, I feel like. So, yeah. He has I, no... Go ahead, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Oh, so Thibel has a no-trade clause, so he can dictate things. Yeah. That, again, just like with Brogdon, there's no doubt, doubt in my mind if you said, hey, Matisse, would you rather be playing on a winner or playing on a, a loser? He'd, he'd pick the winner. Uh, same thing with Grant, but Grant's going to be more difficult to trade because he's going to have four years left on a deal that pays him over $30 million. So it has to be a team that really is willing to absorb that money and feels like you know he's the missing link. There's so many people run, throwing out rumors out there. And there's a difference between speculation. Well, okay. To me, a rumor is like, has, has some legs to it. Like this is something that possibly could happen and is being discussed. A rumor isn't when someone makes up a, a possible trade on the trade machine. <laughs> so, and for some reason, those things get mixed up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, people be like, oh, there's a rumor of Grant going to Miami for this and that. And then you look into it and it's just a writer, you know, coming up pontificating about what, you know, he thinks that, sh- that should happen. Um, but there's just, there's little out there that's, I mean, hardly anything that's remotely concrete. 
but that could change, right? That could change. Okay. And to me, these are the three guys. If you can, if you can flip these guys and get younger and get picks, um, and not that Thibault's old at all, but you know, do you need a, a guard? Another, you just don't need guards on this team. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Um, before we move on to the Super Bowl, I know you've been dealing with that and all, but do you get us like I, I get a sense the past few games that they've kind of turned the corner and yeah. and I'm not saying they're going to win a lot of games, but they're at least playing adult basketball. <laughs> they're playing NBA caliber basketball. That trip, that seven game trip where they lost six games by the average of 33 was just abysmal, but they were there. And was coming back from being sick. Sharp was on the minutes restriction. They're playing a bunch of rookies. There's guys in and out of the lineup, but now you just, everyone's ready to roll except for Sharp. So you got more adults on the court. You change the lineups. You got more size and strength and Walker. You got Kamara out of there, Grant's at the three. And they're just playing so much better. And the way they lost at Denver, they were in those games for a yeah. long time until Denver decided to play like the champions that they are. Um, but they, they, looked, they looked really good. And that was coming off of the emotional win over the Bucks and Damian Lillard. And I wondered if they would carry that over. And they did. So now you come home, you got Detroit. Like, I'm like, you should smash Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, other teams are going to be tough, but I just feel like they're, they've are they gone from being a fledgling, all-over-the-place team to now they look like not a good, but a solid, decently put-together NBA team. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. No, they've uh, <sighs> Yeah. Uh, like, like you said, I have not been watching as intently, although I was anchoring the first Denver game. So I, uh, I did take that one in, but, um, but yeah, it definitely seems like, you know, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm always cautious about this team. Cause we've had a few times this year where we've, we've been like, maybe they've turned the corner and then they just go out and lay a dud, which would be so perfect for them to do against <laughs> Detroit. Right. Um, against Detroit at home like yeah buddy um (laughs) but uh but yeah it does seem like they they are starting to put their big boy basketball pants on and uh play together like more of a team so that is that is exciting and you know, one of the things that's been referenced a lot this year is DA just hasn't gotten to play with a lot of these guys, either between his own injuries or between other injuries. And now he's finally getting to play with this team and he's got more reps and things are starting to kind of settle into a groove. And you're seeing that it actually is working out more, which um, is very exciting. I just want to say we're recording this podcast on Wednesday. It was a week ago that Damian Lillard was back playing in Portland. How was right? that a week ago exactly? It feels Time like flies. five million years. <laughs> it does. A lot like, of happens since then, especially for you. Yeah, for me, I'm like, what? Like that was a week ago? <laughs> I was thinking about that before we got on here. Just I mean, I can't I can't even process that. But anyways, um, so, re- real quick on Aiden. So the first game at Denver, three of six, didn't shoot a ton, obviously. Eight mm-hmm. points, three rebounds. Jokic had the triple double, right? And it, it's Jokic is going to win the battle against Aiden, clearly. But, yeah. but Aiden can't give you that, right? Yeah. You, you got to get more out of him Fair. if he's a top five center, as we were told. Um, and then I just really wanted to see, I wanted to see how he was going to come back in the second game. And he comes back 
and he gives you 27 and nine with four assists and a couple block shots, 13 of 19 from the field. That's the dude he needs to be. Like if he's that and, and physically, physically he should have a lot of games like that. Eight and three should never happen. A bad game that, that, that should be like once a month. He just has a dud like that. Yeah. His bad day should be 14 and eight. Oh yeah. A bad game. 14 and eight. His routine game his averages to me should be 22, 23, and 11 or 12, especially on this team. Yeah. Um, and so he should at least be a threat to do that. Not, he seems like he's more of a threat to disappear than he is a threat to, to put up 27 and nine. And so that's, you know, that's going to be the big thing with him is if he can ever turn the corner and get to that point. But, you know, he had a good game against Milwaukee, 20 and 11. You know, 18 and six against Philly, but that was a blowout. Before that, 22 and 12 against Chicago, 20 and 12 against San Antonio. So he has hit a stretch here where he's been good to really good, other than that one night. And that one night was against Jokic, and he came back and, and redeemed himself. So that those are all good signs. Great right, you signs. Else you want to add? Work, DA. Huh? I said, What's great that? signs. Good work, DA. Yeah, good job, DA. All right. Now. Let's move on to Viva Las Vegas. Okay, so what? aside from working your butt off, and I know you're working, have you been able to have a lot of fun other than the shopping spree? Um, I went down to Radio Row briefly a few days ago, so that was fun because I saw a bunch of people that, you know, you know from everywhere you've been in this job. Everybody knows everybody, um, so that was cool. I am excited to go down on Thursday because Thursday's the day where all the big timers go. Thursday's mm-hmm. the big day. And I am just going to literally go down and celebrity watch all morning. Cause <laughs> I don't have to be at work until four that day. So right. yeah, I'm just going to chill. Um, so very excited about that. Um, I mean, my shift goes until 1130, which means you get done and then you're like, okay, I need to eat. And then you get back to the hotel and you're like, all right, I want to go to sleep now. Um, so that's kind of been my, uh, schedule. Um, so is is media day tomorrow or today? It was Monday. Oh, that was the main media day. It was Monday. Yeah. Opening night is on Monday. Um, so I did not Uh attend opening night because, I was on air. Wait, I'm th- the main media day they have out in the field was Monday? Yes, it's Monday. Oh, I guess I guess one in the past they did it more midweek, but I, but I could be wrong. No, it's, um, it's at least for the last few years it's been Monday. It's been Monday. Yeah. Uh, the radio row stuff is fun. I I've done that a few times. What's funny is that the probably the most starstruck moment I've had was was with Charles Tillman, the former Chicago Bears. Oh DB, gosh. who's one of my favorite DBs of all time. It wasn't some big time Hall of Fame, you know, Marquee yeah. Star, everyone would know. But I saw him by accident and I was like, and I kind of go, Peanut Tillman. And he heard me. He was doing a radio interview. He looked up at me like, who's this guy? And then I kind of just nodded at him. He nodded at me back. But it was so funny. It was like, oh my God, I just had, I just had a starstruck moment with Peanut Tillman. And that was the same Super Bowl where Kevin Costner was running around because they're they were, they were promoting a draft, draft day movie. That was in New York. And uh, obviously, it's always just a ton of stars running around there. So that is fun. Like, it is fun. It's kind of cool to just walk around and see everybody. Uh, and then me- there's also a media – I can't remember if it's the same media day. 
there's the media there, day where, the, where the TV personalities are all available to talk to, like from oh, NFL yeah. Network or stuff like that. So like one day, one day I, I got to chat with uh, Michael Irvin and Deion Sanders, um, which was which is fun because those were big time stars back when I was younger. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a good time there for sure. Yeah. So you know, I I I kind of wish I would have been able to take in opening night, but like I said. I was uh, sitting my booty up on a very tall scaffolding and uh, going live for stations around the country. So, you know, that's okay. That's that's part of the job and part of the shift I'm on. So no problem. And uh, we keep on trucking. So Now, you're doing a thing where you're doing hits for a bunch of different outlets, right? Yes. Do you Is want this me to do the same thing AG McCord? Now, are these all CBS affiliates? No. No, so it's just so, a bunch of different entities. So what it is, is that our station is owned, I think, and this makes total sense why people think this. Um, if you are outside of the business, if you are just somebody who watches television, you do not realize that just because you're affiliated with a network, it does not mean that a network owns your station. So mm, gotcha. there are a bunch of different companies that own stations around the United States. There are some stations that are owned by CBS or owned by Fox or ABC or NBC, but the vast majority of stations around the country are not owned by those entities. Right. So like Fox in Seattle, they're owned by Fox. Um, CBS in Denver, they're owned by CBS, but there's a lot of stations that are not that way. Um, NBC in LA, they're owned by NBC. Um, there's a lot of stations that are not that way. KTLA in LA, that is owned by my company, Nextstar. Mm -hmm. uh, we own a station in New York. So like, I know Saturday and Sunday, I'm going live in New York City. Like, I'm going live in NYC, like just, which is crazy. Um, but anyway, so... Basically, how it works is that our stations that are owned by our company all sign up for time slots for us to be live. Mm. So we get a sheet at the beginning of every day that it says, hey, you're live here, here, and here. And I have somebody, we have our, um, we have our IFBs in our ear, which is basically like our earpieces. And there is somebody... Uh, in a room who was in charge of switching us over every five minutes. So I'll, I'll finish up one hit with Peoria and then they'll switch me to Fresno. Um, so all of a sudden I'll have a new producer in my ear saying, hi, Brenna, can you hear me? And I'm like, yes, I can. And you, and you do pretty much the same hit for each they have, one of them? We have two options. Um, so <clears throat> one is more sports themed and one is news themed. Hmm. So, um, so like last night I did, we had one, um, on how the NFL is trying to diversify their referee pool more and how they have nine females now between replay and on field officials. Um, so like that's, you know, that, that was the newsy angle last night. And then the sports angle was, Hey, first day of practice. So okay. it all just kind of, so I'll have somebody get in my ear and say, all right, we chose this, this angle. Now, sometimes do they choose the angle that is not from my shift? That happened a few times last night. Um, that was fun. That was very fun. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than when someone cold, coldly asks you to talk about something that you have not 
done any reporting on. That's the worst. Yeah, what happened? La- one of the situations that happened last night was like nobody's fault. Basically, there one of the guys that's here works uh, in Fresno and is, and so they were going to have him be on their airwaves. And then my boss said, "It's been pouring your time for the last however many hours. You are leaving. Brenna is going to handle these live shots." And so because. Nobody thought about this, which makes total sense, because he left, but was supposed to be on my shift. The producers pulled over his stuff and didn't think about the fact that my stuff was going to be different because he was on the midday shift. So Mm. those topics are different than what's on the late night shift. So they go, 30 seconds, you're talking about uh, Super Bowl photographers. And I go... Uh, <laughs> you're like no i'm not <laughs> and so i get it because they were like well this is going to be andrew and then when it got changed to me they didn't think oh we need to change the whole topic of this script because it's not going to be the one that's the midday shift it's going to be the late night one right. so anyways you know those sort of things happen or like i had one last night where somebody somebody changed the script for what they were tossing to me and the First part of the script was about the topic I was supposed to talk about. And then the second part of the script was uh, about one of the hits from midday. And so they mm-hmm. tossed to me and they go, hey, Bruno, what's up on the what's up with the field? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to talk about the field because I know what's going on with that and, you know, whatever. But I am going to do the late night hit because you also just talked about quarterbacks. And so I know that that's one of the subject lines of my late night hit. So I'm just going to do it. And we're going to see if I'm right or not. And I ended up being right that time. Another time that day, I was wrong. I was like, I don't know if you want the midday one or the late night one. Um, So I'm just going to go with the one I'm supposed to do. And then the soundbite popped up from the midday one. (laughs) Made no sense. So then I had to come back on and explain that soundbite. Yeah, it just seems like if you're dealing with that many different stations, that there's bound to be there's something's like gonna that, happen. Right? Something's yeah. gonna happen. So you just have to. I had a pretty flawless first night, honestly. Like it was pretty, pretty, pretty smooth. And then last night there were a few more, uh, <laughs> a few more situations to navigate. But that's okay. I mean, that's it's gonna happen. It's live TV, and you just kind of have to roll with the punches and and call yep. it good. So you know, we we try to clearly communicate things, but every once in a while, those things just don't happen so so yeah it's um it's really interesting or then like my my late night shift is interesting too because i have a very wide gap i get done at like 8 20 or like 8 30 and i don't have to be back on air again until 10 30 because all the east coast stations are done after 8 30 mm. so that's a good point so I just I just wait around and then I have like five more live shots uh, after once once we get to like ten thirty and then I uh, then I peace out. But yeah, so it's um it's it's fascinating, but I'm having a good time doing it. It's been fun and uh, yeah, I mean I get to sit up on scaffolding right in front of the big behemoth that is Allegiant Stadium every night. So not too shabby. Love it. Yep. All right, so. How about the game? Yeah, how about it? What do you think? I'm so not jacked up for this game. I don't. I think I'm tired of Kansas City. These two teams just played. 
every time Mahomes plays in a big game, it reminds me that the Bears did not draft him. Uh, so <laughs> it's a combination of things. Uh, but I kind of feel like, you know, it's a toss up. It's going to come down to some, you know, some storyline, something that's going to happen in the game that everyone's going to be talking about. But I got to roll with Kansas City just, you know, with, you know, with Mahomes and all of his experience against, you know, Purdy. But this, you know, this could be a situation like, I mean, Nick Foles beat Brady. Uh, Brady, when he was young and basically game manager, well, he didn't beat Kurt Warner. The defense beat Kurt Warner. But the bottom line is that the team with the young quarterback, the sixth-round draft pick, and his, you know, first year as a starter, this is, this is Purdy's first full year as a starter, beat the team that had the greatest offense of all time up to that point. <clears throat> so it could be one of those situations, but I'm rolling with Kansas City and that really good defense, and then Mahomes just figuring it out, making the plays they need to make. Yeah, I, I think I'm just at a point where it's like, don't bet against Kansas City anymore. I've seen that a few <laughs> times this week. It's just like everybody reports of their demise were premature. Um, and so yeah. I – I just think that at this point, you know, you have somebody with so much experience, like you said, and they have proven in this postseason that they have it together finally. So I just don't think you can bet against them right now. So I, I too would go with Casey. I am sorry that it reminds you that your franchise did not draft Pat Mahomes. That's rough. The look on your face right now, if people are just listening, oh, man. He's... You know what this is, though? This is the f- reverse of Blazers and Bulls with Jordan. Oh, yes. Oh, that's, like, that's this is what goes around, comes around. What goes yeah. around, comes around. What comes around, goes around. It's just, you know, it's just now nah, I have to suffer with this for 10, at least 10 more years. For the rest like, of your life. To suffer. <laughs> right. Honestly, it is kind of the rest of your life, though, if you think about it. Well, got- unless they fix Unless they fix quarterback, if they if they draft Caleb and he ends up being on that level, then I'll be, and then I'm over it. Or if they traded him one pick and get a haul and Fields develops, then I'm over it. But the Bears have never had a true franchise quarterback uh, in yeah. my life. I was and therefore say- that makes it that makes it even worse. And so if they don't fix it and I have to suffer through this even further, then that's when you know. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast the other day. And uh, they were talking about, they're like, name the last good quarterback to play for Chicago. Good? <laughs> and it was, and it was like someone's name I had never heard of in my entire life. And I don't remember it. So there you go. But yeah, was it, it was Kramer. Like, I think it might've been Kramer. Yeah. He had a great year. I think in 94. I think he set the record for touchdown passes that year with 28 or something. The Bears record. And then he fell off the next year and then he was gone. But he had a good year. Color had a couple of good years. Color wasn't horrible. He just was just like too nonchalant, too careless with the football. He's a little bit above average. I think he was a pro blower with the Bears. They did go to the NFC Championship game. So I, I give him I give him credit for being solid most of the time but he, the problem with him is he never came close to fulfilling his promise because his talent level was off the charts mm. like he should have been an elite quarterback and then before that you got to go back to McMahon who was always hurt it's just been bad I think they've had like 30 something starting quarterbacks in the same time that the Packers had two Favre and Rodgers um, 
and now love looks like he's going to be anyway i, I can't i can't I, I i can't talk about this right now I'm gonna ruin my, week. <laughs> my my fault for bringing it up okay <clears throat> next topic i think this is a fascinating topic you want you want to lead into this one yeah sure um I mean, you know, father time is ticking away. <laughs> Although, boy, does it, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I shout out to LeBron for the fact that he is still playing at the level he's playing. I mean, he, it's truly an amazing feat that I just don't think people appreciate enough. But the question is, is it time for the Lakers to trade LeBron with everything going on there and the fact that they just can't seem to get it together? I know that. His agent came out and said, LeBron is not interested in a trade. So, uh, and at so the end of the day. not or is? Not. No, okay. Yeah. Um, so, because there was, there was somebody reporting that he was, there was somebody at a TV station reporting something about him and, you know, being shopped or something like that. Um, I remember I saw it and I was like, don't buy this. Um, but yeah. Uh, do you think it is time for the Lakers to trade LeBron? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. From, from a pure basketball standpoint, <clears throat> if we take the politics out of it, if we take the facts, it's LeBron. If we take the fact they probably can't, you know, just trade him because you know, they, they, he went, he didn't have to go there. He went there. He is on the final year of his deal. They're probably going to resign him. Uh, yes, he's 39. He's playing remarkably well. Uh, but yes, absolutely. If there's a team out there that will give you some young players and draft picks, um, a place where he can go and contend, it's best for both to to do that. I don't I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. If you hold on to him till the end of his career, then you're wasting opportunity to get a lot of capital to help you rebuild, which is what the uh, Angels just did with uh, Otani. So yeah. Absolutely. But the deal has to be right. Right. It, it can't be, <clears throat> it can't be something that doesn't live, deliver marquee assets, but yeah, like they're, they're not going to contend again, unless they can bring in a pretty high level star who's younger. Those two are not going to win a championship again, Anthony Davis and LeBron. And so this season's going to and the West is so ridiculously deep. This season's going to end with them it's losing. Deep and every year. It's it's um, I think it's well I think it's yes you're right but I think it's a little deeper yeah. this year because um, Zion's healthy so the Pelicans are better and uh, the Clippers are stacked as opposed to last year they were kind of like up and down um, and, and then OKC and Minnesota have taken huge jumps like I I, I can't see Lakers beating any of those teams in a, in a series they're, they're just not they're not young enough and talented enough to handle that. So it's going to end with them losing and then everyone blaming everyone but LeBron, right? And I'm not saying we should blame LeBron, but that's always a narrative. When they lose, it's because he didn't have enough help. Um, and so I would just cut bait, get what I can for him. I try and trade AD as well and and start over. But, you know, they won't. They're LA. They want to keep their stars. LeBron probably saying you can't, don't, you better not trade me. <laughs> Who knows what he's saying? But like you said, his agent said they don't, they're not seeking a trade, but I absolutely would deal with him. The exact 100%. quote from his agent was, "LeBron won't be traded, and we aren't asking to be." So, and, and I, I absolutely think that's hundred percent the truth. But from the Lakers, it's time. 
It's just time. So yeah, I, yeah, it's probably just it's yeah, it's time to blow it up once again. Time, but time to blow it's it up. the Lakers, and the Lakers aren't very good at doing that. No, like they, you know. But, I mean, hi, look at Kobe. Kobe, you know, I mean, how many how many seasons did Kobe play on an absolutely deadbeat team in L.A.? Like, yeah, they, they just aren't good. They they don't they do not specialize in rebuilding because they're a franchise that is used to always getting the best of the best because we're the Lakers. So right. they think that they're immune to rebuilding. And so it makes sense why they're holding on the way they're holding on. I mean, and I guess it kind of worked out for them last year. Yeah. I mean, not fully, but they make the Western conference finals with a bunch of trades that happened at the trade deadline, but it sure doesn't right. seem like this is last year's trade deadline right now. Like we talked about and, um, yeah, they're they're going to be facing a decision soon enough. Do I necessarily think that? You know, I I kind of just think at this point it's like, look, let's just get to the end of the year and reassess after that. I'm not sure if it's time to make a move to trade LeBron right this instant. Um, so <clears throat> I think it's kind and my my. My thought process is just kind of like, all right, let's let's take a second to breathe here and then figure it out. Um, but you know, this is the NBA; uh, breathing is optional. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. But I I do not see them. They are not going to move LeBron against his wishes. Let's put it that way. No, and it's more likely that they add something. If they were to get the Jante Murray, that would be. That'd be pretty nice. Then I start thinking, okay, they, they maybe make some noise in the playoffs. So if they, if they pull off something, I'll change my tune on them, but I don't see them as a threat. One one note, though, when Kobe was declining and then he had the Achilles and he came back and was still declining, they were mm. bad, right? So they won in that stretch. Right. I don't remember all the years exactly, but they won 27, 21, 17, 26. So at least in that window, they were able to have high draft picks. So they got Ingram and they got Ball. And then they were able to flip them later for AD. Right now, they're they're good. They're not. They're yeah. They're they're so good they're that they're not going to get a high pick, and you're probably not going to contend. So if you're fine with that, great. But if 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 the goal for LA is winning a championship, and their fans always act like they should win a championship every year, then <clears throat> you're just treading water, and you're not going anywhere. And if you if you keep doing that with LeBron, it's it's going to keep being the same thing until he's gone. Then you're going to stink. And then you're playing catch up to when you could have already been doing going through the real real building process with a bunch of assets that you traded LeBron for. So, but politics playing a huge role, not necessarily logic. So it ain't gonna happen. All right, last thing. Pop culture segment. We haven't done one in a while. So Taylor Swift won her fourth album of the year at the Grammys, which is ridiculous. She doesn't have that many good albums, and. <laughs> <clears throat> and then Jay-Z, what did he win? He won something. What did he win? I can't remember what he won. He won like an honorary award. Right. It's like and the Dr. His... Dre Impact Award or something like that. Right. And then during his speech, he brought up the fact that Beyonce, his wife, has never won a Grammy for Album of the Year. This was different than when Kanye interrupted Taylor Swift years ago well, that was over awful. Video of the Year. To talk meaningless about, award, by the way. Continue. Right. To talk about um, single ladies video 
which I thought was a fun video, but not one of the greatest videos of all time, which Kanye called it at the time. And it was, it, and it led to a very endearing moment with Beyonce and Taylor Swift, which I thought was was cool. But I don't know. I just do we need spouses in the middle of award shows preaching and chastising the the voting body for not voting for his wife? Like it's they should be above that. Sometimes album of the year, sometimes it just depends on who you're up against and a lot of different things. And when you say she hasn't won one, okay, so we're supposed to go back, okay, which one should have won? And that means we're taking it away from somewhere else. So there's a whole debate you have to have. Okay, which one should have won and who won instead? And is there a logical argument to be made that Beyonce should have won it that year? Not just she should have won one. There, There needs to be more context to this. And so I just found I just found it just like I rolled my eyes when I saw it. I'm just like, good lord! I didn't watch, I didn't finish the entire thing, so I just don't need that. What do you think? I think that that is coming from a place where there has been um, historically there has been a lot of issues with the Grammys with black and brown artists. There has been a lot of issues over the years. You know, you go even back to when finally they create a category for rap and then, you know, rap isn't on the telecast, that sort of thing. Um, right. You know, and it is kind I mean, it is, it is crazy. He's right. Like he is crazy or it is crazy that she has the most Grammys and has never won the biggest award at the Grammys. Like that is insane. Um, I, but why, why like, do again. I think she hasn't won? Oh, no, why no, is why, that? Why, why is it insane? Like, again, what, what album should have won that was nominated? And, and then you're taking, you're saying that the album that did win shouldn't have won. So then that's a whole nother argument. And so that's the thing for me. It's like, name it. Like, the All-Star, every time there's All-Star, people say, so-and-so got snubbed. People don't even know what snub means. Snub means you got no consideration and you got completely disrespected. Not that you didn't make it. And when someone, when someone says they should have been an All-Star, well, then over whom? People never say over whom. They always just say, oh, they should have been an all-star. So I'm just saying, what album What album is it and what album got it that didn't deserve it? Because sometimes maybe her albums came out in years where there was just a strong feel and she didn't get it. And to look back retrospectively and say she should have won one without any context, this doesn't make sense to me. All right. I'm looking up right now. Uh, I, I think it's pretty much widely um, <clears throat> read. Not widely, but I think Lemonade is probably her best album in my estimation. Okay. So let's see here. Um, 2016. So that would mean in my eyes. um, Oh, it was Adele won over her. Was that the one with Hello on it? Yep. Okay. And and that was the one where Adele won and like, she gave a shout out to Beyonce and, and said, can, you should have won I call this. you mom? Yeah, it's one of the cooler Grammy moments of all time. Okay, so losing to Adele is not a snub. It's not a disrespect because that's an iconic song. I'm not going to sit here and claim that I'm an Adele aficionado and even can name other songs on the album. I think I've listened to the album once and it, it's just, you know, only a couple of songs resonated for me. But, I mean, had Adele not won and Beyonce won, then years later, people are like, I can't believe Adele's album didn't win. That's crazy. 
And then it'll be like, okay, well, who won? Let's go back and look at it. Oh, Lemonade won. And like, sometimes you have three or four albums that are worthy and only one can get it. So are you saying that Lemonade should have won over Adele's album? Well, I'm just looking, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure this out right now because, um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Would she have not been up? Yeah, I think she probably released it too late. So, um, so yeah, I think that, um, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, trying to figure it all out <laughs> here. I'm looking, I'm looking at, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going the Wikipedia route. We're really going for it here. Um, I'm looking at all the, all the tracks on it and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Um, like, you know, I just, you know, just as somebody who as, who is thinking, okay, hindsight's 2020. We obviously understand that in 2024, what songs am I listening to? Like, if an old song comes up, am I more likely to listen to a song off of Lemonade, or am I more likely to listen to a song off of 25, which is the album? Uh, I will tell you right now, I'm more, way more likely to listen to a song uh, on Lemonade. So, you know, that's that's the enduring legacy right there okay. is, hey. For, that's for you. That's one individual person. But I just looked up the sales. Yes. The sales aren't even remotely in the same. Like, according to what I just looked up, Lemonade didn't sell very well. So like 2.5 million. And I realize that album sales are different, but that's that same year, Adele's album sold 25 million copies. So she sold 10 times as many. Now the Grammys are not commercially driven like the American Music Awards are. American Music Awards are straight. Like you can predict the winners just based on billboard charts and sales, right? But so yeah. the legacy of this, I would argue there are way more people out there who would choose Adele because way more people bought that album. So I just I can't I can't justify an outcry that that album, which may be her best, it just came out in the wrong year. Because Adele's album is in, considered by sales and by awards an all time, you know, great album. So this is so crazy. What I'm just I'm looking now at like album of the year things. We've really gone down this rabbit hole. <laughs> um, in 2014 <clears throat> or 2015, excuse me. Beyonce was up for album of the year for her album named Beyonce, which was also a pretty decent album. Oh, man. Okay. And album of the year was given to Beck. <laughs> okay, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. I do remember that one. Uh, so that's interesting. I would say uh, Ed Sheeran's X was up that year too. Actually, if I were to pick one, I would pick Ed Sheeran's X. That was 2015? Um, that, was, that was 2015. But ain't nobody talking about Beck's album. Um, yeah, I'm so showing, 25. I'm showing uh, The Weeknd, Taylor Swift, and Kendrick Lamar. Oh, oh looking at something? So that might have been the 2016 awards show in the 2015 yeah. year. I don't know. Okay. I'm just I'm looking at Wikipedia. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, here, so, yeah so the um, 2014 year with the show in 15. Okay. Because it's not when the show was, it's when the year so yeah here i see the yeah. year with beck beyonce was up that album wasn't that great though wasn't yeah. it beck, i'd man. have to look up the track list on that one um oh timberlake was nominated too and see that's that's when you go beyonce album anyways <laughs> we're really down the rabbit hole here right. i just i found it to be a very salient point 
uh, from him. And, you know, I think it, I think it was something where, you know what, if we, first of all, you could tell that Beyonce didn't know that was coming. And I don't think it was necessarily planned for him to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Actually, I really love this Beyonce album. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> this, this one, that's, it's a good album. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, let's see here. Let's see that Beyonce album had, uh, had, uh, Drunken Love on it, had Partition on it, had EXO, which is my favorite Beyonce song of all time. I know that one's that that one didn't uh, didn't see that one coming. Um, you had Flawless on it. Flawless is a fantastic song. Um, so, yeah, I like mine, too, from that one. Yeah, there's there's I. That's a pretty good album. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, yeah, I just. I, I found it, I, first of all, I don't think that it was planned. Because, I mean, he even said, he said, when I get nervous, I tell the truth, which I thought was a great line. Um, but I think that, um, and and you could tell by her reaction that she did not know that was going to come out of his mouth at that point, because she was kind of like, oh, gosh, here we go again. You know what right. I mean? Um, but I found it to be, I found it to represent something a little bit bigger, than just him, you know, standing up for his wife in that moment. Um, I, I think that it was, it had to do more with the years and years and years of issues that black and brown artists have had with that organization. So that was just kind of my read on it. It was just, he was just using her as an example in terms of the problems that have persisted at the Grammys right. with that group of individuals fair all right yep um, but I did. Whoop. what like mike came out <laughs> all right just unplugged my mic i i just literally dropped the mic you on dropped. you <laughs> all right last thing before we go um do you have a plan in place to try and get within a few feet of, of taylor oh on the field if she comes on the field oh wait they don't allow they don't allow all the media on the field though do they no, they don't. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to get a credential on the field. I have been told that my credential is going to get me into the stadium because, you know, there's some people who get credentials and don't get into the stadium. Right. Um, I've been told that my credential is going to get me in, but we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know about that because the thing is, this is something that I did not know until I got down here. You have that, that, uh, the normal person would not know you have week of credentials, which right. is like your credential can get you into media row. Your credential can get you into opening night. Your credential can get you into X, Y, and Z practice. And then you have day of credentials. So I have to go back on Friday or Saturday to the credentialing office and get my Super Bowl day credential. Mm. Completely different than your week of credentials. So, Hopefully I should know once I get that credential, whether or not I'm able to get into the stadium. I think we are, we have been told that we got access. Um, but you never know when your credential pops up, what you're going to get. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a fascinating day on Sunday. I'm just excited to take it in. 
my my plan right now, and we'll see if somebody changes my plan, is um, I'm going to go for the first half because I have to go live around the country um, after the game. So my thought process is I will go, and then once uh, once we get to halftime, I'll go down to the concourse. I will dance my little booty off and take in Usher, and then I will head to where I need to be <laughs> for the second half. I want to take Usher in, and then I want to go. <laughs> I need to get out of there. I need to skedaddle. So that, that's kind of my plan for that right now. We'll see if uh, that plan ends up changing. Um, but, yeah, I um, I, I, I got to figure out. It's one of those things where I have to figure out the day of how do I get to the area where she is going to be coming in? Cause I just, I more so just want to take in all the craziness that it is when she comes in and how people like, I mean, people are going to freak out, you know? So right. you know, like, and see all the media that is there. Cause that's not normal to have media at like some random entrance. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be really fascinating to, to watch and take in and, it's cool to be able to say that I was at this Super Bowl. Like this oh, is yeah. this is one of those ones that people are always gonna remember, regardless of what happens on the field, because it's just we've never had anything like this before at a Super Bowl. Right. It's almost it's almost like you know the the uh, like a high school situation, like the prom queen and the, and the and the football star. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone knows that the most, you know, the most popular kids in school or whatever, and they're they're an item, and you know, it's, it's cliche, but you see it in a lot of movies, and it becomes reality in a lot of high schools. But it's like it's playing out in the football, the NFL football world, and of course, she's bigger than a prom queen; she's the biggest pop star in the country, and it's the NFL. He's a future Hall of Famer, and so just seeing it play out like that, and then seeing it with a good team, like it's what, like what if, you know, she were dating someone on the Titans, like that wouldn't have been as cool. Right? It would have been, oh, Taylor Swift's here, and the Titans are losing by 20. But she's dating someone who's on the best team in the last four or five years. They're going to the Super Bowl. And it just adds to the whole, you know, circus of it all. And it's, I, I don't know, people, some people are annoyed by it. She, she doesn't bother me. It, it doesn't bother me that they show her. It's kind of funny. I'd say the only thing that bothers me is when I see Jackson lurking around because Jackson Mahomes drives me bananas. So when I see him hanging out with Taylor, I'm like, whoa, that's just that's just whack. But when they show Taylor at the games, I think it's fun. Like I think it's kind of interesting. It it just it just adds something to it. So I don't know why people get upset about it. It's, it's kind of fun to me. And uh I'm you know, I think there's probably gonna be I would imagine there's gonna be some kind of mini doc or video made of Taylor going from performing in Japan to flying to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl. Like I'm very fascinated to see if they put out, like it can only be like five minutes, but it could just be something showing her getting done with the show and then heading to the airport. Cause it's like a 12 hour flight. Right. And she has plenty of time. So it's not like she's going to get there at kickoff or something, but yeah. it just, just kind of could be a cool uh, uh, video that they, they would produce something like that. So anyway, I find it definitely it it adds to the already uh, frantic excitement of the Super Bowl, kind of having this going on. And she's so likable; like she's not controversial. I mean, the controversies around her have been 
you know dumb yeah i mean like she she bashed well, she didn't give she didn't give she she didn't give celine dion enough like love when she accepted the album of the year award i don't know have you ever been in a situation where you're excited and frazzled and you haven't done everything perfectly i have yes like have you like it's just like that sort of stuff that's like i don't like i just I, you know it reminded me of a situation where i was little and I won a figure skating competition my first time in that level. And I was had my expectations so low that I thought there was no way I was going to win this thing. And I won and I flipped out. Was that the, was, the, you know, I was screaming and I'm like, <laughs> you know, and was that perfect back then? No, but you know what? Like it happens. We don't act perfectly in every single situation. Right. Like, oh my God, it's just so, <laughs> so exhausting. You know, one of the things that I did, I did just want to say, if you would have told Roger Goodell that he would be answering one question about Taylor Swift at his opening uh, day, because he had his own media availability on Monday, right. which that was, you know, met with his own set of drama because they, did some things with that. But anyways, if you would have asked him, if you would have told him, you will be asked answering multiple questions about Taylor Swift at your basically state of the NFL press conference last year. Can you imagine? And they will, and those questions will have nothing to do with her performing in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. He would have been like, excuse me, what? Crazy. It's just crazy <laughs> so i just i just found that to be hilarious yeah. the whole thing is both cute and amusing at the same time yeah all right wow good work almost an hour we always manage to do it i was wondering do we have enough topics i was like yeah we, we both we both talk too much so we'll fill it <laughs> we both love to pontificate exactly all right well thanks for listening to the oregonian sports podcast also i forgot to mention subscribe to our subtext feature text join to 503-386-0095 you will receive a link to start a 14-day trial to get texts from myself and bill orm and everyone else at the oregonian and uh, we'll be back here with brenna next week to talk about the super bowl and how she spent sunday night hanging out with taylor and they became bffs and so yeah <laughs> and we'll recap the trade deadline oh it'll be all-star break oh my god i need a break brent i need a break so badly i'm not even gonna lie i hit the wall at the dame stuff just how much was going yeah. on with that what? it just hit i hit the wall i need a break thank god for the all-star break anyway we'll be back soon thanks for listening